Nobody imagines their family to be like that when they begin a family. Whether it's the husband or the wife or the children behaving the way they do, nobody visions their family to be like that. But the reality is that we go through that in our families, and sometimes we don't even realize it. Well, God designed the family in such a way that it should function in a certain way. It should function in, in such a way that we are happy in our family, that, that we do dream in our family. Because we, I, I think we all have this, this dream for our family that we do want the home to be happy. We, we do want the, the nice things. We do want the white picket fence. We do want the, the, the animals. Or if you don't like animals, you just want a, a great environment to come home to. And God gives us good wisdom. God gives us a way to experience good judgment, that he'll give us wisdom far beyond our years so that we can make wise choices, not just in our personal life, but in our family's life. Now, you might not have a family, or maybe you have a family, but you're single, and, and so you don't have you know, a spouse or children. But nonetheless, this, this will still speak to you because it has to do with each individual person becoming who God made us to be. And then by the time we get together as a family, learning how to operate as a family. And the Bible gives us ways to increase in wisdom far beyond our years. God gives us men and women who have gone through many experiences that we have yet to come to and will provide wisdom in how to navigate through what we never thought would take place in our life. And as we do as a family... As we apply this wisdom from God, it, it'll benefit each person's success in the family because we each have capabilities. We all have a unique character, uh, character qualities to us. Every person is different. So God will provide wisdom to each person. And when godly wisdom is applied as a family, then we will encounter fewer mistakes, but more successes, greater returns. And so what we're going to do is learn from the Bible about wisdom, as well as take some notes from one of God's most tiniest creatures, the ant. Have you ever watched ants? Not killed ants, because for some of you, ants are a nuisance in the home. And you'll see them come through uh, different seasons. One season, they'll have, you'll have ants all over the place, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. Where'd they go? And you're thinking, yes, they're all dead. But no, they're not. They're doing something else. They're taking care of their colony, taking care of what they need to. I remember we would, um, we would see different ant piles like on the playground, like the red ants. And if you weren't watching, and if you stepped on them, you would get bitten by these ants because they're protecting their colony. So I figured, you know, I'm curious. I would want to know, how do they live? How do, what, what do they do? I mean, how do they build these things? So I dug up an ant pile and I put it in this glass jar. And then I fed them, you know, cookies. I just get, feed them cookies. And I would watch them. And I, I, I was thinking, how are they going to survive in this environment? But after some days went by and some weeks, they built their new home in this glass jar. Some people and some children or even some adults, they make ant farms and you can watch them build their homes. And it's just neat. And the Bible tells us to look at the ants, to study the ants, to watch how they do things because you can learn wisdom from the ant. So I figure maybe we can learn a few things from the ants. 
Ants build complex, uh, or complex organized societies. They, they build and, and structure their home in such a way that we can learn from. And I used to think, well, how do they find food? How do these ants find food? We, we drive to get food. We know where to go. I think we're a little bit more advanced in thought when it comes to ants. But yet, for some reason, an ant can find food to them miles away. And then after a while, more ants find it. I, I'm thinking, how do they do this? I know they have antenna. And are they like, we found food, we found food, let's go follow me. What is happening in their heads? But they don't. Basically, what happens is, let's just say you have a cookie over here. That's a weird cookie. But let's just say you have a cookie. Let's make it an Oreo. Because people like Oreos. Okay. So you have this ant way over here. And here's his, the ant colony. You know, the ant hill. And now this, this ant has to go search for food. This is what they do. As they're searching for food, they're actually dropping a scent. They're pheromones. So they're searching for food. They could, they could go for hours just looking for food in all kinds of different directions. And all of a sudden, they're like, hallelujah, we found food. Then what this ant does is it comes back and, tries and follows their scent, but takes some shortcuts. And instead of going over the same one, we'll just do that. And just do this. And as this ant continues to go back and forth to the colony, now the other ants follow their scent. But now, because this ant keeps going over the same one and taking shortcuts, it keeps doing that until it finds the shortest route or the straightest route, the quickest route possible. And as this ant continues to go on that same trail and the other ants do, they continue to drop their scent. So after a while, you just have this super highway of ants going back and forth. And eventually, these, this trail evaporates. So now they know where to go because it's the strongest scent. That's how they follow. And so they have this capability to find food that way. They're geniuses at microengineering, the way they, they make their homes. They make their homes in such a way that they even take out the trash. They, they discard. Have you ever wondered what do they do with the dead ants? They discard the ants. They take them out of the colony. They put them somewhere else, a place where if they begin to rot or if there are certain foods in there that begin to rot, they take it out of the colony because anything that is able to rot may cause disease to spread. So they clean their entire home so that it's free of disease. They take whatever doesn't belong in the colony and they dump it. They take it out. They actually have like a dump site so that it doesn't get into the home. And I thought, we can learn from that. Things that don't belong in our home, we don't need it there. Sometimes we grumble, we argue, we fight. We don't need that in our home. We can learn from the ant and say, wait a minute, if we're fighting about the same thing all the time, let's do something about it. Let's solve it. Let's see how we can get to the next level of growth in our family. And that's the ant. That's how they do things. The way they cooperate, astounding. It has made them an engineering marvel of our world today. The ant. Such a smallest creature. And we can learn some things from them. 
And I think as a family, here's, here's something that we can ask. And if you're taking notes, here's what we can write in the first thing, because this is what ants can teach us. And the Bible tells us to learn from the ant, and we'll get to that. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. What season are we in as a family? Or as an individual, if you're dating or if you're single, what season am I in? As a family, you can write in what season are we in as a, as a single person. If you don't have a spouse or children, just write in what, what season am I in? Am I in a season of transitioning? Am I in a season of getting married? Am I in a season of dating? What season am I in? And am I in a season of uh, financial hardship? And am I in a season of, of finding a job? What season am I in? Am I in a season of loneliness, frustration, my health? What, what season am I in? we got to ask ourselves that question. What season am I in? What season is my family in? Because even for the family, if you don't know what season you're in, you're not going to know how to deal with certain things. You're not going to know how to deal with transitions in your family if you don't know what season you're in. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, it tells us to go to the ant. That's what it says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Such loving words. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Some of you speak that way, literally, to people in your home. How come you're always sleeping? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. You know what ants do? They gather when they need to, because they know winter is coming up. Ants Ants don't try to adapt the season to their lifestyle. Ants adapt their lifestyle to the season. We can learn to adapt our lifestyle to the season that we're in. Maybe some of you are in a season that your children are grown up and you're an empty nester and you're trying to learn how to deal with that. And if you haven't prepared for that, I remember talking to one couple. They said, it's very hard that the kids aren't home now. We thought it would be easier, but it's not because I don't know my spouse and neither does he know me. And they said, it's a struggle because everything revolved around the children. Everything was about the kids. Everything was about soccer practice, baseball practice, a sporting activity. Everything was about helping them in their projects. Everything was about the children. So by the time the children grew up and moved out, yeah, the first couple weeks was like, Wow. Of course, they're missing them. But then now you're living with a stranger. For Heidi and I, that's why we've done date nights long before our children grew up and moved out. If Heidi and I didn't know each other and now we're beginning to, to know each other as empty nesters, it would be a different marriage today. It would still be a great marriage, but it would be much different. And I think God is showing us just by the seasons of the ant that it says, no, no, there's a season that you're in that you've got to gather. You've got to prepare for the next season coming up. But you've got to ask yourself, what season are you in right now? Are you in a season of searching? Are you in a season of, of trying to finalize your career or, or go back to school or finish school? Or, or maybe you're, you're looking forward to a different job or maybe finances. How do I get this thing down correctly? I keep going backwards. What season are you in? Maybe you're in a season of spending and you're wondering, ah, oh, how 
come I can't pay the bills? But you love it when you go shopping. What season are you in? You got to ask yourself that. You know, at nights, these worker ants, they actually move the eggs of the larvae deep into the colony to protect it from the cold. And then during daytime, they bring it back up to the, more uh, closer to the surface to warm up the little babies. And they understand not just seasons, but the time of day. They understand what's happening at that very moment. They adjust according to whatever time it is. Instead of just dealing with it. Or instead of just letting it go by and say, well, I can't control the sun, can't control the cold. They do something about it. They understand what season they're in. As we were going through our seasons, Heidi and I, when our, when our children were young, uh, when we first were married and then, you know, you, you had this new family that you're, you're trying to take care of. But you still want to do the things you used to do as a single person. You still want to do things with your friends. You still want to do whatever you want to do. And so we had to go through that. I, I remember us fighting all the time about mundane things and, and uh, small things. We'd fight over the same things over and over. And after a while, we had to come to the realization that we're not the same that we were five years ago. We're not in the same situation we were two years ago. Now we have a family. How are we going to deal with that? We, we had to make adjustments. And if we don't make adjustments in the seasons that come our way, then you can, you can see where the family is going to head. It's not going to stay strong. And so we adjust to whatever season comes our way. Then as our children continue to grow up, they became the priority. You know, I remember coming home from work and my kids would jump on me and I get mad because, why are you guys jumping on me? Because they want daddy's time. They don't know you're coming home from a hard day's work. They don't know what's on your mind. But we try to tell them, but we yell at them. All they want is daddy time. They just want to be with dad or with mom. They just want to be with mom. But we come home, we jump on our computers, our laptops, our iPads, our phones, everything else but the kids. And then we give them the same thing we're doing. And we're one big happy family. No, we're not a happy family. We're a quiet family. Nobody's bothering anyone. And we think if the kids can just behave, everything will be fine. But listen, they'll grow up. And if we don't have a relationship with them, you're going to wish you did when they're adults. They're children now. But we've got to understand the season that we're in. So Heidi and I had to make some adjustments. I remember when they were small and I had to give them daddy time. Boy, I had to make some major adjustments. And, and every sacrifice that was made back then has paid off today. Every sacrifice. As tired as you can be, as, as worn out as you can be, when you can look your children in the face and give them your full undivided attention, it'll make a difference for them in the future. When they're going through a hard, difficult season and you're there to listen, not just to scold or to tell them what to do, but just to listen, it, it, it'll pay off in the end. It, it's a season that we go through. We've got to understand what season we're in. We also went through a season of, of difficult uh, difficulties with our finances. And we were going into debt, so we had to figure out how are we going to get out of debt. Well, we had to ask ourselves, what season are we in? Where we're in a season of not having that much money, so we can't spend money, so we have to go on a budget. And then someone told me, oh, you're charging too much, so do this. Take your credit card, put a glass or put a, a bowl of water in your freezer, drop the credit card in there, and freeze it. 
I heard of freezing your credit card, but that was literally freezing your credit card. And then he said, and then when you need to spend money that you don't have and you want to charge it, take that block of ice out with your credit card inside, put it on the counter, watch it defrost, and then go spend money. By then, that emotion will be gone. I didn't even put the thing. I was thinking, that's too much work. So we just cut up our cards. We say, we're not even going to use it. But that helped us because we understood what season we were in because we were looking forward to the future rather than what can I get today? I think our society has caused us to want things now regardless of the price later. And so we're a want society rather, or we're a need society. We need things. We, we want to get this. We want this. We want that. But then it doesn't pay off in the end. And it's like the Lord is saying, no, you gather when you need to because of what's coming up afterwards. It's like you got to understand what season you're in. When our oldest moved out and now he has his own family, we had to transition that too. But now we have grandchildren, so now it's a different season. It's, it's, it's not the same as having children. You love your children, but you just love your grandchildren differently. Like, you let them get away with stuff you never let your kids get away with. For some reason. I don't know why. You just spoil them. And I, maybe it's because the parents are responsible for however they turn out. So if you spoil them and, you know, it's up to you guys. You know, you let me watch them. Yeah, they're going home with choke ice cream in their system. But hey, the grandparent. So it's, it's learning through those transitions. And then when our youngest uh, went to college this past year... That was another transition because now we don't have children at home. But if we never understood the season we're in, then you just live almost like moment to moment, from argument to argument, from one tough situation to the next tough situation, rather than progressing towards a better future, not just for you as an individual, but for your entire family. You've got to ask yourself, what season are you in? And then do something about it. And whatever season comes our way, we don't wait for the season to hit and then say, okay, what do I do? What do I do? You prepare for it. That's what the ant does. The ant prepares for the season coming up. Now, you might be thinking, okay, what if I'm in that season? What if I'm in the season right now that I never thought I would be in? What if, what if I made a decision and I'm in that season now? What do I do with that? Here's the second thing we got to realize. This is the second thing. Learn in each season. Oh, easy for you to say, I'm actually in the thing. Well, yeah, it may be easy for some people to say, learn in this situation or in this season. But did you know that God has given us so many people that have gone before us, that have more life experiences than us, that can help us? They're called parents. They're called mentors. They're called grandparents. That God has set it up in such a way that for many of us, there's someone who is 20, 30 years beyond us with that much experience that they already went through and have seen that we have yet to experience and see. They can take these 20 years and say, oh, that's what you're dealing with? I, oh, here it is. Boom. Here's how I navigated through it. Here's what I did to avoid what you're gonna, kind of heading into. And it's amazing as human beings, we don't learn anything from the ant. And instead of finding that wisdom and saying, wait a minute, no, 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 they, they do know the way. We kind of go through what they're trying to help us avoid. And then when we learn what they said for us not to do, and we learn from 
the mistake or the hard way. It takes us years to get out of what should have only taken us a split second to catch. And we sacrifice years rather than seconds of what someone told us. The Bible states it this way in Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 9. It says, listen to what your father teaches you. And you can, you can uh, also put your mama. Learn and listen to what your mama teaches you, my sons. And you can put daughters there too. Pay attention and you will have understanding. What I am teaching you is good, so remember it all. When I was only a little boy, my parents' only son, my father would teach me. He would say, remember what I say and never forget it. That's like a nice way of putting it. Do as I tell you and you will live. I don't know if that's a threat, but sometimes it sounds like one. Get wisdom and insight. Do not forget or ignore what I say. Sometimes parents say, are you listening? Are you listening to me? Don't ignore me. Don't walk away. No, it's, I'm paraphrasing what I just read. So let's continue. Do not abandon wisdom. And she will protect you. Love her and she will keep you safe. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight. Love wisdom and she will make you great. Embrace her and she will bring you honor. She will, she will be your crowning glory. The Bible is saying that there's wisdom out there, but you have to get it. There's mentors that are way beyond us, but you got to ask them. You have to sit with your elders. You have to sit down with people who have gone before you and say, okay, here's the situation I'm in. Help me. Just help me think it through. You may not do what they did, but they'll give you some, they'll give you wise principles. They'll even help you to think certain things through. And when each season hits, just learn from it. Many you can prepare for, some you're not able to, but in that season, you learn from it. Because you got to adapt to every season that comes your way. We're in Hilo right now. And as you can see, Hilo weather is back. This is, this is, if you've grown up in Hilo, this is the weather. Umbrellas work well in the rain. Horrible for the snow. you got to change a tire for whatever season comes your way. What works for one season may not work for the next season. But you got to adapt to it. Change and adapt with each changing season. Otherwise, if we don't, we'll become enslaved by the situation or the circumstance that we're dealing with. We'll be enslaved by what's happening on the outside rather than what God is trying to do on the inside. And you know who loves it when we're enslaved? The devil. The devil himself loves it when we're distracted in such a way that we don't pay attention to the things of God, that we're, we're so distracted by trying to get our life together that we have no time for God. And the devil loves that when we're enslaved. You know what the ants do? The ants actually go out into other colonies and take them over. And they'll, they'll take the, the larvae from the other uh, colonies, take their little babies, and then take them into their own colony. And then when these babies hatch, they enslave them. Even though they're from another colony, they'll enslave them. And these ants, when they grow up, they don't know they're enslaved by these other ants. And that's the strategy of the devil for our families. That he will do whatever it takes to enslave us that we won't even recognize we're enslaved by him. 
And then he'll do whatever he wants to do. He'll break us apart. He'll cause friction. He'll cause families to fall apart. He'll cause, he'll cause our children to go through difficult seasons. He'll, he'll cause us to bicker and fight against one another rather than to say we're a family. We're on the same team. We're heading in the same direction. No, the devil loves it when he can enslave us. But God says, you don't belong to that colony. You belong to me. That I'm your father. I'm the one that can help you to be free from being enslaved. That's why I gave you my son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be set free and not be enslaved by the enemy. See, we got to learn in every season that we're in. But then at the same time, as we're learning, then we progress and move forward. And when we're progressing and moving forward, you may not realize how much you're progressing, but every little progressive step is huge exponentially compared to if you never did anything at all. So every step that you take in the right direction, you celebrate that. Because we're going to go through those seasons. And when we go through those seasons, we come out stronger. Because we're saying to God, we're going to go through this, but we're going to use your wisdom. So can you help us and and learn through it? When we are uh, in a season of learning about our finances, we, we had to learn... What are we splurging on? What are we buying that is not, you know, the greatest uh, thing for us? And, and that helped us financially. When we were having a difficult time with time, then we had to ask ourselves, okay, where are we in this season? How do we navigate? How do we change our schedules? How do we do this thing called time? How do we make more time for one another? And every season that we were in, we, we had to learn in it. I remember this one season I was in, I gained 30 pounds, and I don't know where that weight came from. And I'm thinking, where did I get all this weight? Now, not blaming the pregnancy, but when Heidi was pregnant with our second son, I gained 30 pounds. And I don't know why, but I don't know if this is myth, but they say because when she's hungry, you eat too. But if she doesn't finish, you finish it. So I don't know if that's true. All I know is I gained weight too. Maybe it's God's way of saying, you know how she feels? That's kind of what she's going through right now and worse. So as I was going through that, that's in my early 20s. And I thought, wait a minute, maybe that's why I'm so tired. Maybe that's why I'm sleeping all the time. Maybe it's, maybe it's my weight. Now, I'm not picking on weight, okay? So don't look at me strange like, oh, how dare you? It's just what I was going through. I just felt like, why am I always tired? Why don't, why don't, I, why don't I have the energy that I used to have? And this is in my early 20s. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, I did gain 30 pounds. You'd carry on rice bag and a half around all day. And so when I was going through that time period, I thought, wait a minute. If I don't correct this now, I'm going to pay for it later on in life. And so for some of us, we've passed that stage. Now we are here later on in life. And so now we're here at this stage and, and maybe health is an issue but that's the season you're in and you're doing your very best to learn in it. I want to speak to those who are in their 20s or maybe even your early 30s. Don't wait for some health issue to pop up to change your eating habits because it does affect every single person in your family and beyond. Correct it early on in your 20s because your metabolism is strong now. You think, I can just eat, I can eat. Yes, you can now, but if you don't develop the discipline to curb or curve that habit, 
and you enter your 30s, your metabolism starts to slow down. Then you enter your 40s, you didn't even know who metabolism is. That thing is gone. And then you hit your 50s, and then that's it. Metabolism works against you. You look at food, you gain weight. You see somebody running, you're tired. Somebody else sweats, you're sweating. It just happens. So we got to correct that early on. So if you're at that stage, just start to make those little adjustments along the way. Because it'll pay off in the long run, especially for your family. That's wisdom for your family. And it'll only help in the long run. And if you don't learn from each season, whether you apply it by wisdom or with the help of another, you're going to go through the same thing over and over until one day you're enslaved by the enemy. And you don't even realize it. Then you're done and so is your family. See, the ants can teach us much. Somebody asked me some time ago, they said, okay, uh, I understand this thing about family. What if you're a strong family, but you have extended family? Uh, you know, you're married into this new family now, but you still have your brothers, your sisters, and your in-laws and all that. What if they want to borrow stuff from you? What if they want to borrow money from you, but you're struggling yourself, but you can help. There's a little bit. What do you do then? Because if not, then my wife and I are going to fight about it. My husband and I are going to fight about it. Should I tell my spouse that I'm lending them money? Because I know they're not going to let them. What do I do then? I don't know. On your own. (laughs) The Bible says this, and, and all joking aside, the two become one. So the Bible says, so of course you let your spouse know that so, so-and-so wants to borrow money. But here's the principle. If you cannot just give away what they're borrowing, it's an indication that you shouldn't let them. If you cannot just, if they say, hey, you can borrow $20. If you can't just give it to them and let them have it, then it's an indication that you shouldn't. Not telling you to do it or not. It just will help you to make that decision. If they're saying, hey, can I borrow $1,000? The mortgage is due. You know, I'm behind. So can I just borrow $1,000? Because they know you have. If you can't just give it away, then it's an indication of maybe you shouldn't. And here's the reason why. Now, you're not going to tell them, oh, $1,000. You know what? I just give them away. You can have it. No, no. You're doing it with the intent of them paying you back. But in your heart and with your family, you're saying, you know what? If they never pay us back, it's okay. Of course, you expect them to pay you back. And the reason why you do that is because if not, they will avoid you if they can't pay you back. They will have to make excuses because they can't pay you back. Or you just won't have a relationship with them anymore. People have asked me to co-sign for them. Because if your credit is good and they'll say, hey, can you co-sign for me? You know, I'm not able to. And, but I, I can pay the bills. You know, I have my job and all of that. You never know what can, what's going to happen. They, they may get released the next day. Something may come up. You just never know. And so even co-signing, I said, you know what? And this is what I say. In our situation right now, we're just not able to. Well, what do you mean? It's just a signature. You, you, you're, you're good with your finances. Your credit is good. Yeah. But there's some things that we're doing in our finances and in our family and the direction that we're going. We're just not able to co-sign right now. Oh, fine then. Touches my brother. Touches my sister. Touches my father. I thought you was my son. I thought you was my auntie. I thought we were friends. If your relationship is based on a signature, I question the relationship. If your relationship is based on you lending money to someone, I question your relationship. 
if that person is not willing to be in a relationship with you with or without your signature or your money, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. You might feel like, oh, but no, now the family is falling apart. Again, let's get this clear. If you're married and you have your family, you're raising your children, you have a lot of things to deal with. You add this one more thing, now you guys are fighting about something that they're gone with. The Bible puts it like this in Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. It says, have you promised to be responsible for someone else's debt, my son? Have you been caught by your own words, trapped by your own promises? Well then, my son, you are in that man's power. But this is how you get out of it. Hurry to him and beg him to release you. Don't let yourself go to sleep or even stop to rest. Get out of the trap like a bird or a deer escaping from a hunter. In other words, the Bible is saying, okay, you're in this situation. You got to get out of it as quick as you can. Do whatever you need to do because you're now enslaved by that person. You may be paying a debt for someone else right now. And your family is struggling because of that. So to even plan for it, don't even get involved with it. Unless you're in agreement with your spouse and your family. And maybe you have the means to. If you can agree with it, great. In fact, the ant has two stomachs. The ant has one stomach for themselves and one stomach to share food from. I know it sounds kind of bad, but that's, that's the ant. The Bible teaches us from the ant that if you have the means to and you agree, and, that's how you, and you can do that and your family is okay with it, by all means, the Bible says you will help. Because we're most like God when we give. And if we have the means to and the family is okay with it, you're okay with it, then by all means. But in your heart, you got to be able to just give it away. Otherwise, you'll hold resentment. You, you, it'll be such a difficult thing. Here's the last thing, and this is for our family, and especially, or even single. If you're single right now, visualize your future. Visualize your future. And it's not fantasy thinking. It's not, oh, I wish one day it was like this. It's, it's, it's visualizing your future. What do you want your family to look like? What do you want your life to look like? Because as you visualize your future, then you'll do certain things to get you there. Otherwise, you just let things happen as a result of chance. As a person, as a family. Maybe you're dating. And right now, maybe you don't need to plan out the whole entire thing, the family. And maybe, this is a, maybe you're going out on a date, and maybe your first date. It's not the best time to say, okay, so family, what do you think? Yes, it might not work well. I'm not sure. Maybe the other person would say, oh, no, that sounds great. Maybe a career. Maybe you're looking at your career and you're wondering, what direction am I going? Where do I want to be? What do I want my future to look like? Who do I want to be rather than what do I want to do? Who do I want to become? I want to visualize my future. What do I want my family to look like? And I remember early on in our family, I used to dream of, okay, God, what do you want our future to look like? What do you want our family to look like? What is our family becoming? Therefore, as a husband, I, I needed to do my part. And, I, and so I prayed, Lord, give me, give me like a, a, a vision statement. What, what dreams can I have? What do, you, what do you want me to dream of, Lord? What, what are some things you want to do in my life? And, and here's the, kind of like my, my dream statement or my mission statement, my life statement. And in the beginning, it was all about me. This is what I want to do so that I can become. 
then it eventually changed, and maybe God was changing my heart, and, he, and this is what God gave to me, and, and this is the dreams that I have. My dream is to release the dreams of my family. That's my dream. And God says, if you take care of that, I'll take care of yours. Whatever, what, and the Bible says, if you delight in me, then I will give you the desires of your heart. So as I delighted in God and I said, okay, God, I, I want to do what you've called me to do. He said, okay, you're the spiritual head of the household. You've got to take lead in this. So you release the dreams of your children and of your spouse. Yeah, but what if I don't agree with them? It's not your dream. It's theirs. You help them accomplish their dreams. And I can't tell you, I, I haven't seen God fail in his promise. That no matter how much I can help and whatever small part I can play in the dreams of my family, if I can help in any way and release them for their dreams, somehow God just keeps depositing in my life certain things that were desires of my heart. It's like I didn't even have to tell him because he knows better than me what dreams would be good for me. Somebody has to do that. Visualize your future. Ask the Lord. Ask him to give you a vision for your life, for your family. Take it one step at a time, whether it's in school or marriage, or maybe, maybe even as, as buying a house. Are you even saving for that? Or maybe even having children one day or serving in ministry. What, what does God want you to do? What, what, what does God want you to do? Because he has, a, he has a vision for your life. But you've got to visualize it too and partner up with him. These two men, uh, Dr. George McGavin and Professor Adam Hart, they took this, this colony of, of leafcutter ants uh, from Trinidad off the coast of Venezuela and they brought it back to the UK uh, across the globe. And, and they brought it to the Glasgow Science Center and they built this structure to have these ants kind of build their own homes. They, you know, they had soil, they had these tubes that went to different areas, they had a lot of plants in there so that they could, you know, build their homes and, and take the leaves and... and uh, these leaf cutter ants, they would actually cut off the leaves with their sharp jaws. They'd take these pieces, bring it back to their colony, and that was their food. They didn't eat the leaves. The leaves actually turned into fungus, and then that's what they ate. So they could supply food for the entire colony just by working together. And what they found is after three weeks, just three weeks, they saw them build this complex civilization. This was in three short weeks. They just put them in this one aquarium and they, the ants did everything else. And they were just amazed at how they did this. And they found out in this, in this colony or this, this type of ants that there's a, a soldier ant. There are three different kinds of ants, but this soldier ant was the biggest ant. And they put radar frequencies on the backs of these ants. And they analyzed what they did in the colony so they could see what they did. And these soldier ants actually had their assignment. And they would pace back and forth in certain areas. Back and forth. That was their assignment because they guarded the nest. Then you, had, you would have other soldier ants going a different route. Guarding that part of the nest. And so when they put it on the computer, they could see where these ants were. And they guarded the entire nest. They all had a responsibility. The worker ants. The queen ant. The, the workers, uh, the, the soldier ant, they all had a responsibility. And when every single person did their part, it made for a successful colony. That's the family. When everybody does their part, then everyone is successful. 
when the ant goes out into their colony, it's almost like there's a vision for what it's supposed to look like so they can systematically get it done. If there's no vision for your family, for your family's future, you're just going to survive in a almost like just a, a chaotic hill. And life will be chaotic. You'll wake up in the morning, it's chaotic. There's no vision for the future of your family. After a while, the vision for the future of your family is like, just get them out. Just get them out of the house. You just want us in the home. It'll be difficult. Then the vision for your family is, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? And it no longer becomes about the family. But if we visualize our future, our family's future, and we each do our part, then we see our family and our lives take better shape. Some of you maybe have been hurt before, or you maybe you're definitely taking your time in a relationship. Maybe you've made some decisions, and you're more apprehensive to, to be in a committed relationship, but yet you're living together. You're living together, you have children together, you have a home together, you pay bills together, you share in each other's things. But you don't share in God's blessings of marriage. You're doing everything else but committing to the very thing that God will bring blessings in as far as being a couple together. And for some, you might be thinking, yeah, but, uh, you know, if, if we get married, then what if it don't work out? Well, then you're already going in failing. You go in knowing that it's going to work out, that you will make it work out through the wisdom of God that he will help us through. If you're, if you're already apprehensive and you say, no, no, I got hurt before, so therefore, I'm not going to get married. And, but then you're living together. Then God can't bless your relationship. Because you're not doing things His way. Yeah, but what if I'm not worthy because I've done so many things wrong? What if I've, what if I've done things that I'm not proud of? What if, and then we get married and then what if they find out and then what's going to happen then? What do I do then? The Bible tells us this in Romans 8.1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Bible is saying you follow what the Spirit says, not what the flesh says, and not what the flesh wants to do. Remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I, I could now see a brand new future. I could, I could literally feel the weight lifted off of me that I could head in a, a great direction, but not just for me, for my family. And many of you have made that decision that you know you couldn't do it on your own, that it was his path, that that's the path we follow. And he'll show us the direction. I like what Proverbs 4.10 says. And it's, it's the message Bible, the message translation. So it's very, uh, it's, it's crystal clear. It says, Dear friend, take my advice. I will, it will add years to your life. I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I don't want you to end up in blind alleys or waste time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well for your life is at stake. Don't take wicked bypass. Don't so much as set foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Give it a wide berth, make a detour, and be on your way. You know what the Bible is saying? Wisdom progresses you forward, folly pushes you back. It's saying, here's righteous road, go on that. Oh, don't head down this alley, blind alley. You know, you've been there before. You know, take a detour. Get off, get, get off of that road, get back on righteous way. Because this is the best way. 
Romans 8, 18 and 28, says, I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. We know that in all things, God works for good with those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose. God designed family. He knows how it works best. He provides wisdom for it. It's up to us to receive it. You ready for it? I think God wants us to receive wisdom from him because he knows how our families are designed. He knows how it works best. And he says, I've given you such a small creature to learn from, the ant. And we can learn a lot from them. I'm going to ask Arnold to come up to the piano and I want to just end with this illustration for you just so that we can all catch this. Now remember this illustration, this first one. The U.S. Continental... supposed to be Texas. Sorry if you're from Texas. <laughs> and then you have Alaska. I, sorry, Alaska and Hawaii. We're always like real tiny away. Uh, delivery companies have a difficult situation, a di- difficult situation dealing with the traveling salesman problem. The traveling salesman problem says you have to travel and deliver to these cities. But to save on time, you don't want to cross over the same city twice. So if you have just five cities, you have the possibility of 12 routes. But if you have 15 cities, you have the possibility of 40 billion routes. This one company, Air Liquide, has to deliver in the U.S. continental to as many cities that will equal over a trillion possibilities of delivery routes. But this company uses this computer program called ACO, the Ant Colony Optimization. They use the same theory that these ants use back here. And so what they do is they, with all the cities that they have to deliver to, they put into the computer... the best possible routes to deliver without crossing a city twice and then to return back home. Now, the computer will continuously find all the combinations over and over and over again. Now, a trillion for this company, delivering to hospitals and oil refineries for, their, for the compressed gas. And so they keep doing this, but after a while, the computer will recognize a certain pattern and say that this is the best pattern route to go to because it'll save you time and you won't have to go through all these heartaches and pains. This is the best route possible for these cities that you need to deliver to and you won't cross the same city twice. It's the best route. And they use the same technique as how the ants do and after a while these ones just kind of evaporate or whatever city they need to go to. And when I looked at that, I thought, Lord, they're learning from you because you provided this wisdom. And although they have this task to figure out how to deliver, I thought about the family. That for us as a family, that God is writing out clear directions. He's saying, I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom way. 
I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I, I don't want you to end up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well. Your life is at stake. Don't take wicked bypass. Like he's saying, you've been there before. Don't so much as set foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Give it a wide berth. And if you are, make a detour and then be on your way. God gives us one of life's most smallest creatures to teach us life's most biggest and best ways to live in our families. It's amazing. God designed it that way. And he says, you can learn from it, but it's up to you. You have to get it. And God has all the wisdom we need. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Lord, as we continue in this series about the family, there's going to be some things that hit us and, and it, it may hit the core of our being. Sometimes it may not be what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. And you have given us the smallest creature to teach us the biggest lessons. And, and so we're grateful that you can even provide illustrations to help us. But the reality is that we're in our families. And whatever season we're in, that we need to understand it. And, and help us to learn in the season we're in. Help us to, to visualize our future. But the future that you have for us, not just wishful thinking or, or selfish thinking, but but how you designed our family, or as a single person, how, how you designed our life to be. We're thankful for our parents and those who have helped us along the way, that you provide wisdom that way. And so we thank you for setting the roads for us so that as we travel on it, that through your wisdom, we'll find the best possible way to live, and it is through your word and through your spirit. And so may we follow you. We thank you for our families, that as we all play our parts, that we do it well, as if doing it for you. Because in the end, the family benefits. And when the family benefits, we all benefit. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen.